Welcome everyone to Previously in the Multiverse. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Connor. Yep, still here. So this is our sister show, the main DC Comics podcast, of course, is Comics from the Multiverse, where we talk about new DC Comics, uh, the, the both of us plus Matt, of course. Uh, but this is where we're working through classic DC Comics runs every week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Batman 409, Detective Comics 576, because we have uh, switched it. I think we decided to do this before the big break, but this is actually the first time we've done it. But we're going to do two of the Bat books, because we're doing all the post-crisis Batman, in theory, all the way up to... I guess to start a rebirth one day <laughs> if we ever get that far. But uh, in in theory, just, the, just, yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, if we do get there, that's where we'd have to stop because we started reviewing them at rebirth. So we'll have. It's all there. Yeah. The ends will have met, and there'll be no reason to do anything else. At that point, it'd be like, okay, I guess uh, go back further at that point. I see what the Silver Age is like. Uh, but that is uh, that's that's coming up. Uh, we got Wonder Woman fifteen continuing Azarello's run. We got the Flash seventy two continuing Mark Wade's run. We have Birds of Prey issue 6 continuing the original uh, Dixon run. We have GSA 15 continuing the Johns run. Uh, we have the first issue of Justice League Power Rangers, which was uh, actually a Patreon vote, believe it or not. So we did eventually start this, uh, but this was a vote uh, a while ago to replace the Shazam A New Beginning. And then Batgirl issue 12 continuing the Stephanie Brown run by Brian Q. Miller. So uh, those are all the books that we're going to be talking about uh, on, on the episode. So uh, be excited, I guess. Uh-huh. Man, that makes us halfway through that Batgirl run, right? It does, yes. Uh, it's kind of sad. It feels like someone just started. I know, I know. That's the sadness of it only being 24 issues. Um, alternatively, GSA 15 is only the end of the first big thick trade, and I don't even know how many there's going to be when the, by the time that's all done. Uh, I mean, there's three or four out now already. and It's not even... Yeah, it's, it's like the first omnibus out of three omnibus, so... Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot. Yeah, Pro- they, probably double digits. If they ever actually get around to finishing it, the funny thing is, is that you know I I've been using the trades for most of these things uh, so far. That's probably going to transition uh, to the DC Universe uh, app at some point. Partly just because a lot of these trade series stopped, like Birds of Prey, for example, just stopped after Volume Three. Um, but also because it'll just be easier and cheaper to pay for DC Universe every month rather than having to buy trades constantly. So. Uh, Yes, because obviously DC Universe Infinite it's launched in the US, it's launching internationally uh, later this year uh, which is just a comics and comics only library, but I believe yep. they've updated it, they've made it a bit nicer, have they? There's some, some new features, because obviously I was a, you know, a big fan of what it was before as well um, especially the comic side of things um, but now, as a comics fan obviously the, the big advantage is 6 months instead of 12 for the new stuff less relevant to this show but uh, yeah, less relevant to us because we keep up to date with almost everything we'd want to anyway. Some of the things that are a bit more relevant, um, well, I mean, this one's not as much, but they've added Vertigo comic stuff now. Uh, not everything, uh-huh. but they, you know, they've started, like, you know, Hellblazers there and Lucifer. There's no Sandman yet, but I assume they're going to, you know, every month kind of drop a couple of big series. Um, and graphic novels are included as well now because before it was just single single issues and there's still no trade collections. Uh, but there are things that were published as original graphic novels are included I, on there now. I don't think they should add trade collections anyway. I think all they have to do is add like a playlist feature where it'll sort of playlist the issues Which into things. Is exactly what they have done. Um, well, then, in, that's, in there fact, you go. perfect. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, what, <laughs> what they've actually done is a wonderful solution where there's 
a lot of pre-made lists. Um, like for example, uh, we're doing the the Wade run. They have just a thing. If you click on that series of the Flash, there's just a thing at the top saying, "You know, here's the the Wade run." And you you can click on that, and it's got all of the issues in the correct yeah. order. There's no need for trades. You know, all trades would do at this point is clutter it up and make it yeah. and make there be multiple options for the same content, which is just confusing and annoying. And comics has enough of that as it is. The playlists I, I agree, are fine. Yeah. Um, also, for the things that they don't have pre-made lists for, you can make your own uh, and you know add in whatever you want, order it how you desire. Oh, that's good. As of right now, there's no way of sharing those lists, but there is an option to make them public or private, so I imagine it's something they've got planned. Ah, uh, yeah, so you can say, take the, I don't know, I'm, I, this isn't our series suggestion, because I, I don't remember caring too much about any of these, but let's say you could take the, the, the Blackest Night reading order, but just delete all those minis you don't like and say, here's the good Blackest Night reading order for all Ooh, just the good ones. That's actually something, not quite to that extent, but they have something like that for a lot of events where... Uh, like Flashpoint, for example, they've got here's the core event where it's just here's the actual main, you know, six or seven issues, whatever it was, of Flashpoint. And then there's the full event list, which is with every single oh, tie-in. Yeah, in that's order. obvious. I'm talking about actually someone saying, no, 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 here's yeah. the tie-ins that are worth reading, including in the reading order, but ignoring the ones that are... Now, obviously, that's a lot of subjective. Some people disagree on which one should be included or not, but... The idea being but, that potentially you could share out a list that's like, hey, here's my curated version of this event. Your, your which, recommended list, which, yeah. Admittedly, people who listen to a podcast like this might be interested in our curated list of what an event should entail. For example, recently Death Metal, there's one or two one-shots you might take out, but for the most part, a lot of that yeah, was I'd, worth reading. there's probably a handful, to, mostly towards the back end, for the, for example, that I'd be like, yeah, you can skip these. I wouldn't put those in the, in the recommended list, but most of it would end up in there. Yeah, so, uh, oh, without further ado then, uh, we'll get into into books. Um, and I think there'll be a longer period where patrons have this exclusively uh, than before. I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, admittedly, so I'm not going to tell you right now. But just to say that if you're a patron, you have this... I feel like you're just making this up on the fly. Before everyone... No, 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 I've been talking about this. I, I almost considered making oh. this completely Patreon exclusive. Uh, oh, really? Last week. I was uh, giving this serious thought. And I think I've decided against that. For a couple of different reasons but uh there'll definitely be a longer patreon exclusivity period um maybe as before just just the day just the day uh it'll be at least a week now it might even be as long as a month um but you've been warned that said though if you're hearing this first you're a patron anyway so i suppose you don't really it's not it's not as relevant except but for the rest better. of you finally getting this whenever <laughs> it may be just know <laughs> there's probably a lot more waiting for you by now or at least some more yes uh so Batman 409, uh, continuing the post-crisis Batman, uh, and we are doing these in release order, so even, and the reason why I, I mentioned that is that, so obviously we're doing a Batman detective, and that'll be true most weeks. That'll change eventually when there's like a third book, and it'll be kind of two of the three, and it'll kind of go through them, but we have actually checked. I, I went through and very, very meticulously checked the release dates for every Batman detective, so that, for example... When the Batman annual, is, I think, will be a next week's episode, that'll actually screw up the order. Or when I say order, I mean, it'll screw up the, the system where it'll switch to the following week being Detective, then Batman, because we're going to do them in release order, even on the same episode. So, Batman 409 did come first. That's the important part here. Uh, so, Batman 409, uh, Max Allen Collins writing with Ross Andrew on the art. Uh, this is the second part of the Jason Todd origin story. Uh, that we of course started and to, to its credit i actually remembered really well uh 
you know what the the, the, the previous part of this was Not, nothing about yeah, it felt hard I to mean, remember i think it helps that it's quite a, an iconic story uh, not not that it was like you know amazing, but more just we all know the story of you know the the, the early Jason Todd days, you know, with the still in the tires, for example. I remember. I mean, I knew it was still in the tires. I didn't know anything about this Magun character. I was surprised when Magun popped up at the end. Oh of last yeah, issue. you didn't, did you? Okay. But that was memorable. Where we yeah. come back at this issue, and she tells her ruffians to to snuff out Jason. She's actually wanting them to kill him until he shows that he can fight, and he was actually brought by Batman to just avoid going to jail services. And then she's like, oh, a potential uh, shouldn't have been then. In that case, show him, show him to a room and we'll train him in our ways, in our thug life ways. Uh, Magon, who I think is Australian. I actually thought she was English until she said she was from down under at one point. And I was yeah, like, oh, and, okay. And, and Bruce says good day to her at one point. Like, just just to like be a bit shitty. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, just playing the stereotype. I don't know. Yeah. Um... It's hard to feel that bad when she's training like a gang of thugs. I don't know. <laughs> like, Wait, he doesn't know that at that point. He's just no, he doesn't playing stereotypes to, to nah, the Aussie. He ends up there because he's actually trying to find Jason's parents or the records of his parents, and ends up running to Vicky Vale, who's doing a piece like a a profile piece on Crime Alley and uh, the 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 Magan School for Boys and blah blah blah, and. They end up there, and she's keeping up appearances. She's, she's making it look like she's just teaching normal classes. But as soon as everyone goes, she's like, okay, let's get back to her actual lesson. And she's basically got them debating the, the benefits of a revolver versus a semi-automatic um, yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, There's kind of a running gag throughout the issue where she keeps correcting their their, their grammar and their, their vocabulary, where they'll say, they'll just phrase things the wrong way. In fact, there was one or two of them that I have to admit I didn't notice because my mind just assumed I read the right thing because it was what fit into the sentence. It was, it was oh, what... yeah, where it's... The, the, there's specific things where it's like just the wrong word entirely. Yeah, but I, I read the right word because I just... My mind just made sense of it. It was Because it was one really early on. It's when I had Jason's fighting them at the start. Um, and, yeah, so the, the actual line of dialogue is... Uh, we'll learn him how, and she corrects the learn part as well, because it's like, no, we'll teach him, obviously. Uh, we'll learn him how to hold his breath underwater for an expensive period of time. But when I actually read it, I just read extensive, because extensive is the word that's obviously supposed to be, and my brain just made sense of it. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, there are points where it's just like normal teaching stuff, where I think one of the kids say, you know, uh, you know it doesn't, it don't hold as many and she's like, no, doesn't hold. I had to really try hard to say that wrong then. <laughs> like, yeah, I really struggled. It wasn't until she corrected that I went, wait, that's what he said. And I went back and went, oh, no, he didn't. He said expensive. All right, all right okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, which yeah. is just, it's just an example of how your brain actually sometimes takes the framework of something and just kind of makes it work. Uh, it, it's the whole thing where as long as the first and last letter are in the right place, you can kind of jumble up all the rest of the letters and your brain will just go, yeah, it makes sense. That's what makes sense in this sentence. So that, yeah. that's what you'll see it as. So, and they're going to rob, you know, jewels from a museum uh, or gallery, for the whatever. Joker. Uh, sorry, for the Joker. Is it for the Joker? That's who they're selling it to. Yeah, it's the Joker's men who who want the jewel. These this specific jewel. Though, that's the thing that he just got caught trying to steal, apparently. And it's uh, it's his men that have like hired, you know, that are going to buy it. I mean, I, no, I remember her saying to them that this is what the Joker was trying to steal. Um, I never actually caught the part where they were going to sell it to him. Uh, she explicitly says he's the buyer at one point. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. 
so Batman gets some info on Todd's parents uh, from from Gordon, who's looked into it, and Batman is there's a there's a whole bit where Batman always comes back to Crime Alley every year and the the anniversary of his parents' death to the point where the criminals actually kind of gotten used to this, so they all just kind of hide for that night. And there's a sex segment where uh, some college kids are trying to buy drugs from the, the street punk, but the street punk was kind of like double crossed them and something like a gang jumps out and attacks them to steal all their money and batman shows up and they're like what but no it's you know it's this it's, this is you know you're gonna be back for a year why are you, what are you doing here batman so that's a bit of a commentary in and of itself that batman's this uh like scheduled that they're able to work around it I, I like, he's like surprise inspection keep you on your toes yeah and he's, he, he tells the college kids to you know go home and you know keep their noses clean uh which, that's the last thing I've seen with my gun that made me laugh is one of the kids tries to smoke and she basically smacks his smacks his it's, face it's, and says it's it's weed that he's smoking yeah. specifically. But she smacks his face and says, "Stick to the booze, boys." And I'm like, "This is <laughs> really She's weird." Like, it, it was good enough for my son, so it'll be good enough for you. God rest their souls. Yes, uh, it's like yeah, maybe that's a sign. Yeah, but anyway, so this other random like you know guy gets his uh, his tires stolen and Batman's like, "Wait a minute." That little shit, Jason. So he goes and finds him and makes him give the tires back. Uh, and it, Jason tells him everything about Maga and that she's this weird crook who wants to train all these boys to be, like, proper criminals. And he doesn't really believe her, but he mentions the the, the heist. Uh, Batman goes to, of course, intervene. Uh, and the other big thing here is that Jason ends up saving his ass because he's going to get flanked from behind. Uh, and Jason, you know, yells, you know, watch out, Batman, and uh, ends up getting a few punches in himself, and which yeah. is a nice kind of uh, wrap around because there's a point early on where you know in that I think it is in that early fight where Batman you know does get hit from behind. He's like, "Damn, I'm getting getting sloppy. Got too used to having Robin, you know, watch my back." Yeah. So after the the, the foiled haste, Batman offers him a lift, and as they're driving away, uh, you know, Batman just calls him Robin, and Jason's like, "Robin." And Batman smirks and he's like, Robin. And that's just the end of the story. Uh, it's not bad. It's kind of, I mean, the Mad God stuff is kind of funny. I mean, if nothing else. It's, it's so, it it kind of works well enough, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so over the top in how sort of dastardly she is. It, it definitely doesn't come across as an old thing, serious, gritty Batman, even though it's kind of trying to tap into some right. themes but of it's, gritty stuff. It's very aware that the Magan stuff's over the top because it is literally as soon as the the camera crews out, she like pulls down the things like right on with our our, our normal lessons. It's all the gun talk. Yeah. Uh, so I had a fun time with the issue. Uh, yeah, me too. I I, I have very little to complain about. All I mean, yeah, I couldn't take it too seriously, but that's okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, as long as it's actually fun to read and I'm enjoying the story. Um, it is very condensed. Like I, I, I think I was almost expecting more of a, like a phasing in period. I, I wasn't expecting his entire origin to be essentially just two issues, uh, with, yeah. with him at the end just going, "You're the new Robin now." I've decided. I've decided right here on the spot. You'll do. <laughs> um, but I mean, he has established he has no parents to go to. Uh, he's established he has some skills that may actually transfer into being Robin. And he has the temper that needs to be kind of honed and maybe, I don't know, uh, what's the word? Th- uh, get... Nurtured. I'll go with nurtured. Sure, nurtured works, yeah. Yes. I think it's it's 
probably the most likable Jason ever gets is like in these issues. <laughs> and his origin story. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. Still, like, he's not good, but like at least you know he's he's not a complete shit yet. Uh, but yeah, and he's not too annoying yet. But yeah, this is about as good as it gets. Yes, I wasn't. I wasn't bothered uh, by him in this story, which is a rare feeling with Jason. I have to admit, uh, oh, they haven't developed his personality enough yet. That's why. Yeah, not particularly likable either. Admittedly, it's not like I was. I was like, oh, this just, this just, special edition is great. It's just less offensive than usual. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, there you go. That's that's Batman four hundred nine. Uh, what are you rating the issue? I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's all 7 out of 10. Detective Comics 576, make W bar rating with Todd McFarlane uh, on art. This is uh, the second chapter of Batman Year 2, perhaps the more notable uh, of the Bat stories uh, this episode. And we have the Reaper, of course. And again, I was very impressed how well I remembered the, the first part of this, because this is a both first time read for both of us. You know, We hadn't uh, read Batman Year 2 before. Um because there was a lot of discussion about the ending of the first part where, the, where he pulls out the gun and this is the choice he's making. So it was very interesting to get to this point to see how he actually used it. He's training with it in the cave. Uh, he's Leslie's appalled that he's even considering using a gun. Uh, there's a voice of reason trying to talk to him and he's not listening to her. Um, but to the point where he kind of you know, has a bit of a breakup with Gordon over it where he's like, Gordon, you're going to hate me for what I'm about to do, but no, I do it out of out of love and friendship and whatever. Uh, but Gordon, like, snaps his pipe later because he's so mad that the Batman has shot a gun out of his hand. Yeah. Was that was that pipe a gift from from? I think Batman? it was, yeah. I, think, that, I, I feel like it was. That was something that kind of felt like it was in my memory as I was reading that moment. Yeah. I will say, the art here is pretty good. I mean, I don't think McFarlane's great for everything, but I was, as soon as I started this... Right, and I read this right after I read Batman four hundred nine, which had I had fine art. Whatever it was, you know, it was of its time. It's typical. Uh, but I got to this one. Oh, this is a bit bolder. I'm liking the coloring a bit more, especially. Uh, I think it's. I think maybe it probably helps that it's been a while since uh, we'd read the previous issue of mm-hmm. this because I remember the previous uh, issues art being phenomenally good. Uh, yeah, I, I remember loving artists. it a lot more. Yes, exactly. Um, and and Tom Holland, like, you know, is probably, you know, is is pretty well respected in 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 stuff like this, and it's definitely not bad. It's definitely pretty good, but it's also a step down as well at the same time, for this story. Yeah, um, just goes to show that all the complaining you do in modern comics of not keeping an artist on like a single arc, uh, th- this was a problem in nineteen eighty seven as well. So it's still, yeah, I'm still gonna complain about it. You can still complain about it, but it's nothing new. <laughs> I know. I never said it was new. Uh, but in terms of art critiques, there are definitely some strange faces in this. That um, There's a bit where like uh, Alfred's bringing out the bat suit, and Bruce is there with like a big giddy smile on his face almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a handful of panels like that where the faces just look off. Yeah, uh, so we get some backstory here. Caspian has like a little flashback to his, you know, his crime alley style moment where uh, his wife was shot and killed by a burglar, 
Um, he was shot himself as well and spent some time in a wheelchair. So we see him sort of like the funeral and I, the, the aftermath of it. I actually really like these pages with the the art. Um, like so, you have him in the in the background and it's in like this you know reddish pink, and then all the panels telling the flashback are you know all in this you know blue hue. Uh, and it, it's really fun. It just makes it really clear that it's a flashback. Um, it's just you know, good, strong storytelling with the colours. Yeah. Because uh, I guess they're both very kind of uh, monotone with their colour, whereas when you come back to the actual present-day scene, it's very vivid. There's a lot of different colours. You know, a, you get the green walls with the blue floor, with the, the it's, blonde hair. It's a lot more hair. natural, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot more going on. Uh, but basically, there's multiple criminals in this issue that the, the Reaper just hunts down and kills. Uh, first one's right at the start, and then there's a sort of SWAT team trying to protect the guy. It does not work, uh, and the Reaper gets his man. Uh, then later in the issue, though, which is, this is where Batman intervenes with the gun, uh, there's a guy arriving, a mob boss arriving by plane, um, and that kind of is what sets that up. Meanwhile, Bruce, uh, a young Miss Caspian, uh, he goes to... Because remember, she's becoming a nun. And I remember, I, I mean, I, if you'd asked me before I read this, I wouldn't have remembered it. But as soon as it showed her with the, the habit, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, she's becoming a nun. That was the thing Bruce tried to ask her out. And yeah, it was a whole thing. She's becoming a nun. And he sort of like, because Leslie's in hiding now, she doesn't want to go out, he, he shows up for their lunch date. And he's like, oh, sorry, Leslie couldn't make it, so I, I'm here in her place. And I'm like, very presumptuous of you, Bruce. You've kind of just sort of trapped her on a lunch date without her having a say in it. Uh, just, you Pretty know. much, yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny at the end of the scene where, the, you know, it does the drop the ice cream as the kiss moment, but her logic here, as, as she sort of makes this choice, is um, that he reminds her of her father and how lonely he is, and maybe she should give up the idea. I mean, she doesn't say, uh, con- contextualize all of this, but the idea being that, oh, maybe it's not too late to not become a nun and become your wife instead, so you won't go down the same sad path as my father. Uh, it's a, a very interesting <laughs> line of thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it's a weird thing as well. It it's nothing about it being good for her. It's more just oh, yes. I don't want you to be lonely. Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the 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 main thing that sticks out to me about it. It's not it's not that she has feelings for him necessarily. I mean, maybe a little in the sense that she cares that he'll be lonely. I mean, that's that's carrying uh, yeah, that a little and, bit, but. I'm sure there was obviously some attraction between them. Uh, but not yeah, that, that she's that in love with him and, oh, you know what, I'm making a mistake by going down this path. I want to go down this path instead. This was this, this feels more like for the benefit of him than her. And yes. that that is a, an interesting and very selfless, selfless to the point of like self, uh, not harm, harm's not the right word, but selfless to the point of detriment. It's self, self-detrimental, self yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the more obvious answer is just, terrible male writing in in the 80s yeah yeah i guess that's true i i, I do wonder if this is in particular intentional though but you may be right it may just be dodgy white dude writing <laughs> yeah uh, i i think it's i think it's just middle-aged dude doesn't know how to write women it could it could entirely be that uh but i'm trying to give it the benefit of doubt in analyzing her character and why she's making this choice but i mean maybe you're right maybe maybe you'd You've got, you've got it. You nailed it. Yes, uh, I do think the art when Batman comes to see Gordon is very good, and it's just that one all lamp. The, all the shadows is really yeah. nice. Yeah. It's the one lamp. So you've got the the yellow light of the lamp and the light, or and then but it's all the blacks and the blues of the shadows uh, for the rest of the scene. Nice flowing cape. Yeah, and that's the other thing that sticks out in the coloring is obviously Batman's got his blue cape. Reaper's mostly in red with the black cape. Uh, but whenever they're fighting, they tend to be against a different variety of backgrounds. Sometimes it's a yellow background, sometimes it's a red background, sometimes it's a yellow background. 
but they two always stick out in the the, the panel, uh, and that really yeah. stuck out to me. Um, I mean, the best panel of the whole issue actually might be Gordon right before he, he snaps the pipe. He's in like sort of like, the yellow headlights of a car or something like that, but everything behind him is blue. But he's in ultra shadow. Uh, I think the, um, that really sequence is the best out of the issue. That and then the the close up of of him, you know, looking at the pipe and then snapping it and just you know leaving it on the floor and that's still lit up in the foreground and he's walking away and he's all you know in the blue now. I think those you know four panels are just fantastic. Yeah. To sum up what Batman's actually done in this scene, not only did he shoot a gun out of Gordon's hand, he then essentially kind of took the the target Reaper's target and I don't want to say kidnapped necessarily, but sort of took him under his own custody away from the police, uh, not cooperating with Gordon, not communicating why he's doing what he's doing, uh, which is why Gordon's so pissed. Um, so, uh, the, the final scene of the, the the book, though, is that Batman, again, making some more questionable choices, goes to the, the mob bosses of Gotham, who are all livid about Reaper, and Reaper's, like, ruining business, their, their profits are down 40%, whatever it is, and... Batman shows up, and they fight him at first, but Batman tries to make it clear, I'm not here to fight you. I'm actually here because Reaper is a problem for me too, and maybe we could work together to get rid of Reaper. It's in our, all of our benefit. And this is all a little bit contrived that Batman would want to work with the mob bosses, and it's all in, it's, it's all for the cliffhanger, where they say, okay, but you have to work with our, our man who's our, who's, who's our assassin. And they bring out Mr. Joe Chill, and that's the cliffhanger, is that Batman has to work with Joe Chill. Yeah, I um, I I hate this significantly more than the using the gun thing because I, I I get the, we I think we spoke about this a lot uh in the in the first issue of this where we were okay with the gun thing because we're assuming that's going to be the story of him you know, reaffirming that you it's, it's know, no be, I can't do this it's going to be a lesson he learns it's, it's got a narrative point it's fine yeah whereas this just feels like oh Joe Chill let's make him work together you know with with his parents killer ah like, oh, that that just feels a lot cheaper. Yeah, I mean, I'm still morbidly into the story, and I definitely want to read the next one to see what they do with this. But I don't know if I like it necessarily. It's kind of yeah. I mean, it's a good job you want to read it because you were going to anyway. Oh yeah, I'm going to it anyway. But like, I'm not looking at mood about like I'm not because sometimes I dread like look at uh, Azarel's Wonder Woman. I dread every issue of that, and I always put it off till last. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel that way about this. I'm actually like, oh, I can't wait to read what they do with this shit. Uh, I- I'm definitely morbidly curious about this um and honestly the rest of the issue up till this point i think is pretty good mm-hmm. it's only this one moment that i'm not really a fan of um it doesn't put me off seriously going forward i'm hoping they're maybe only working together for issue three and then issue four will be just you know back to normal uh and we can focus on you know, bruce and his his gun problem maybe yeah yeah yeah, so we'll see. Um, I, I, it's interesting, though, because this obviously presents Joe Chill as still very much an active member of the crime world in Gotham. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, this will actually be closer to, like, not his first appearance, but closer to the traditional Joe Chill. But I'm used to Joe Chill from modern comics. I'm used to Joe Chill from the movies or whatever. Mm. I'm used to all these Joe Chills where he's either been in prison or he's older and maybe more of a coward and he's he's not presented as anything intimidating whereas here when he comes out and it's like oh he's our man who kills people for us like they present him as like he's still kind of a tough bad guy i think my concern is what it's the implication that oh he's the guy who goes and kills the people we want to which is oh, oh is this the story that oh no no the the waynes were killed for a reason 
rather than it being a, a random thing. I don't get the... I don't get from this issue that they're going down that path. Now, that's not to say they won't, because it does feel like a cheap story beat to play. Um, but... I don't think they're doing that. I could be wrong, though. We'll uh, find out. I hope not. If they do, I will dock a point off for it. I mean, if they do go down that path, there'll be a reason why everyone doesn't like Batman Year 2, which we have not quite gotten to yet. <laughs> yeah, that... we, we were assuming it was the gun thing, but well, but I don't, The gun thing is definitely part of it, but like Batman Year 2's reputation is not that great. And yeah. I like the first issue quite a bit. And I like most of this issue. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. I think it's still a pretty solid issue. The final scene is just a bit contrived to get to this, you know, he has to work with Joe Chill nonsense, but uh, it, it could lead to some entertainment, so, you know. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, what are you giving Detective Comics 576? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7, knocking half a point off for the uh, the ending. Um, I can't go 7. I gave Batman 409 a 7, and I feel like this is a better issue in a number of different mm. ways. So I think I have to at least give it a 7.5. Uh, I'm even tempted to give it the 8. Yeah, because I, I do actually really like a lot of the scenes in this. So I'm, I'm going to go with the 8. I, there's a lot of scenes, you know, Gordon snapping his pipe, uh, the training with the gun, I think, is actually quite well done. The Reaper backstory stuff. Like, honestly, I was kind of into reading that a lot. It's just, they, they, there's just, Batman's decision to work with the mob just feels really contrived at the end. Is my only real big yeah, thing I'm with it. on that. And I think the art is quite good. It maybe just suffers and it's not as amazingly paced as the last issue was, but because yeah. I think it was the it was the uh, the layouts more than anything, I think the last issue if I remember right, that was Yeah, they were really phenomenal. Good. Um and presumably the artist is back for maybe the next issue, so we'll see uh, how that fares. We, we can hope. Uh so there you go. Wonder Woman issue fifteen, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang uh, is back on the art. Um and of course, I like it's been pretty documented that I'm not super into this. Uh, and this was the one that I was really worried about, like having the, the months away from, because I was like, oh, my, am I going to even remember anything? Am I going to even. It helps that this is mostly the start of the next point of the series with the New God stuff, because we were just kind of teasing that, I think, at the end of the last couple of issues. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I understood for the most part. I mean, the character names were a bit rough. Like, I was remembering kind of who was around, and I remembered Zola, and I'm like, okay, I remember them having this other uh, godly character with them, but I can't remember who it was until someone said she was Hera, and I was like, ah, oh, it's Hera, that's right, okay, okay, <laughs> and it came back to me. Um, I couldn't remember what not Constantine's name was until someone said it. Uh, so Lennox. It's Lennox, yes. Um, yeah. But the the only one I'm struggling to remember is the new brother for this issue. Oh, he's new though, so I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know they said it at some point, but he's the only one I'm forgetting. Uh, I want to say it was something like Milan or Milo or something like that. Oh, Milan, that, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, who Orion comes and speaks to at the start of the issue. Uh, it says he wants to find someone. And... Yeah, he's he's blind, but he clearly has some sort of power to to find things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, because he he's like wandering around. Uh, you know, this this the the oppression we get is you know this homeless guy who's blind wandering around looking for food in the in, in the bin you know pulls out what is i'm assuming supposed to be a subway given the uh given the the line that he says but it's like covered in like flies the line is eat fresh i think you can see it i don't know if you have to dance around it <laughs> oh i didn't know you know, you know that is safe 
What, what, what possible trouble I, I could we get in for you to eat fresh? Oh, I wasn't really avoiding it. I was just like, oh, the line that he says. I, I didn't feel like... You can, you can mention slogans. It's, it's, it's how annoying it is from a radio perspective for you to bring up something and dance around it for no reason. It's just weird. I, I, I wasn't really dancing around it. I wasn't avoiding it. It was just all the line that he says. So, we can say all know. the slogans we want. Na, 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 na. I'm loving it. See, you can say as much as you want. No, there's no copyright police. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I really hope this kid's copyright slapped out after all that. <laughs> for, for me being that off tune, I don't think we've got to worry about uh. it. Probably uh, not, but it would be funny. So, um, so you, you got uh, Zola and Hera still at each other's throats. Although it feels like they're going to start to form a bit of a like a, a weird, awkward friendship because they both because they're, they're told to stay in the hotel room and they basically by the end of this you're like, do I sneak out and go do stuff because it's boring? And yeah, there's a lot of to... like a sibling rivalry stuff going on at the start with the fighting and they're like, oh, she started it, both over saying the... that at the same time. Yeah, over the TV. Yeah, they're fighting over the channels. Yeah. Uh, whereas Zolanix takes Wonder Woman into the subways because uh, they're trying to find, obviously, Zola's baby. They're trying to get to uh, all that stuff. But, of course, Lennox is not expecting Orion to show up when um, he goes to speak to this this new brother god. And uh, they have a bit of a confrontation uh, until Wonder Woman steps in, of course. And uh, goes... Yeah, Hephaestus does upgrade her, her gauntlets as well, like when they get down there. Uh, that's right. Um, so there's a bit of a fight scene uh, I say it's a bit of a fight scene it just starts really with Wonder Woman and, and Orion uh, and then we cut to uh, Big Dude in Snow who that is the extent of my memory for who this is <laughs> yeah he's the the firstborn right right okay yes that's right it's just his firstborn yes yeah that's um, okay, pretty much all we know um, yeah you know like I said the fight scene basically just starts the thing is you know the, the upgraded gauntlet layer like summons swords from it basically so she has you know two swords Mm. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the cliff, but, um, the cliffhanger, the cliffhanger with the firstborn is that he raises some ice monsters, uh, out of the out of the snow. I'm sure uh, maybe there's some more like significance to these ca- characters. I think but... they're there to attack him, right? Um, because he he's like, oh yeah, his skin is buried near here for his power. Um, and then they they rise up, and and you know then, you know they're they're lying, and, you know it'll be funny killing you again. Okay, I have to confess, I may not have read the dialogue on that last page. Uh, <laughs> look, I read this last. I was starting to get sleepy halfway through this issue. There may be lots of bubbles that I didn't quite consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I took this last page as him raising them, but you're right. He, they're, they're kind of threatening him. No, uh, they're, they're protecting, presumably there to protect his, his skin, uh, as he calls it. Mm. Uh, yes, so... Yes. I I don't know. Should we replace this book? Because I'm clearly don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, some people like this book, though. I feel like people want it to be, you know, seen through. I mean, I like this book, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much is left of it. I can't remember how far they get. I think we're about halfway, maybe. Uh, about under, because it's, it's six trades. So I think it's 36 issues. Right, okay. Because I know they got... Yeah, I don't, I don't remember... What was the third year of the new 52's bollocks months? Because you had... Oh, I can't remember. You had, the, you had the, the Zero and then the the villains. It may have been the future one. It might have been... 
could have been the future one. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the future one for this, if there was one. So I don't think it got that far. It may not have been them, though. They may have just came back, did the last few. Because, I mean, at that point, they're delivering mm. a couple of issues left of the run. That's true. That's so they have just someone else, and then they, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, I left this till last. It was kind of just the, okay, I guess I need to read that one now, too. Um, I guess I guess we will reevaluate before the next uh, episode if we need to replace this book or not. <laughs> And I hope some people will be mad at that. Some people really love Azrael's Wonder Woman. Uh, I, 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 I just, I don't know. I get nothing out of it. Nothing I like about Wonder Woman's in this book. It's weird. Yeah. None, none uh, of her grace. None of her, uh, the way she deals with people. Like, er, she, everything just feels a bit like weirdly mean. I don't know. Hmm. That's that's fair. I mean, that was the problem with not just Wonder Woman, but you know, New Fifty Two. Had a lot of those faults of characters across the board with things feeling yeah. off. I mean, I, I quite like this take because I don't think she feels that mean like you do. Uh, I, I don't quite get that. but And, and I'm really into the, the mythology angle of it. But I, I get why it doesn't appeal. Um, yeah, Not for everyone, I guess. Yeah, what are you in it? I'm giving it an 8. I think it's a really good issue. <laughs> um... Ah, oh, five, I guess. Five point five. Would you generous? Is that, yeah. the, is that the positive side? I don't know. I, it's it's honestly really hard to look at it objectively, to be honest. I just I, it felt like a chore to get through, and it's not like it's badly written or anything like that. I just I, I actually think this is probably one of the quickest reads of everything this week. Um, I'm just so out of it at this point. Yeah. That I I'm I'm reading it through hateful glasses at this, and it's not. Like I know that sounds really like petty and vindictive, but it's not a petty thing. It's it's like I'm I'm like I don't want to read it, but I'm reading it for the show. So I'm I'm just sort of like because I think you like like even then you're being generous. You're giving it like yeah five five point five. You don't think it's like a terribly written book or anything? No, no, you I know, just don't like it. It, it, <laughs> it yeah, you just you just don't enjoy it. Yeah, and it's one thing to read an issue one that you don't enjoy, and then issue two and finish an arc maybe. Uh, but, but this was the. 16th issue, I think, of, of the, the series that we've read. Yes, that's including the Zero issue, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so maybe reevaluate what, what this uh, slot's going to. Uh, I, I can tell you this if we do replace it, it'll be another lady. I, I think we want to make sure there's always a dedicated, uh, you know, female character slot. Just because superheroes can very easily be a sausage fest if, you, if you're not too careful with the history of like how many characters. It, it would be. Very easy to just have an all male lineup for yes. you know, this show, and not intentionally, just because you have you, to you pick... could just pick all the big characters and still only end up with 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 male yes. characters. So not to worry uh, on that front, but uh, yeah. So uh, that's that's Wonder Woman issue fifteen, The Flash seventy two, Mark Wade and Sal Velito, uh, right uh, on art, of course, the second name there. And um, this is so I, I didn't remember the previous issue right away. But it came flooding back very quickly uh, that, that Wally was protecting the slime ball who shared a cell with the new Doctor Alchemy and mm. all that stuff. Uh, and the fact that he had to get to the train to like, stop Linda from moving to uh, Midway City, I think she was going to, with a new job. Yeah, she's got a new job. But she'd said to Wally, hey, if you come, you know, if you, if you make a case for me to stay, I'll stay. Like, but, you know, they've not solidified the relationship. They're in a very sort of limbo, as she puts it later on, where they are. Um, and it's funny because this issue started and I was kind of like thinking oh you know this is not bad it's kind of fun but it's nothing special as it was going I was kind of getting into it a little bit more I'm like you know what 
a lot of this action later on is a lot of fun. Uh, Alchemy coming after them when he's sort of trying to protect the sleazeball. Um, and uh, particularly when it's okay, he gets, they get away from him for like a minute and he tries to interrogate the, 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 the Saul Goodman character, as, uh, as I called him last time. And he... They have this moment, but then very quickly Dr. Alchemy shows up. And it, I, I liked how it played with Alchemy's powers in that everything in their environment suddenly became dangerous because, oh, okay, we're, we're in, uh, in this case, case like a multi-story car park, and it's like, oh shit, all these cars are suddenly just bombs. Or and it's like, okay, it became about running out there quick enough as Alchemy's doing all these things. Later on, when he's drawing up the building and he's turning the rain to acid, uh, like I thought it was fun the way it used the the power set. Yeah, I think conceptually it was really good. I think my biggest problem with a lot of the action pieces is I think the best art in the book is right near the start. It's uh that first page where he's running, talking about hating the rain. I think that you know, I think uh Flash looks fantastic there. I love the idea of he's just slightly breaking out of the panels. He's just too fast for the panels. I think is a great effect. Not not by a lot, but just just peeking through them a, a couple hmm. of times. And I don't think any of the action sequences match the dyn dyn dyn. I'm gonna try and say that. <laughs> I I don't think any of it matches the, the 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 flow and the the depth of that page. Will you go for dynamics? What were you trying to say? No, no. I'm, I'm not gonna try it because it's just not gonna come. So ah, I, I don't know what you're trying to say. So I'm annoyed. What, what, what are you trying to say? What? No. <laughs> no. No. I'm not doing this. I'm not falling for this trap. But I say I genuinely don't know what you were trying to say. I want to know. Similar to dynamics, yes, but ism instead. I have no idea what you're going for. Uh, oh, get it. <laughs> whatever. All right. No, some fun stuff. Uh, running through the rain, like you say. Uh, I, I do think a lot of that really works. I like the panel where he's running from alchemy and the guy's on his back. And it's almost like Wally's biting his arm as he's holding on <laughs> because he's just going uh, so fast. Um, yeah. All that, and, you know, it, it telegraphs this little twist, which is that the, the the secret little microchip that Alchemy wants is in the watch that the sleazy guy gave back. Uh, sorry, I said Barry Brodian, uh gave Wally last issue, so he's actually wearing it around his wrist, and it becomes a thing where it makes him late for Linda because it's it's a little bit too slow. Uh, yeah, because of the microchip, it's affecting the the circuitry in the watch. Yeah, I mean, it could just. I mean, oh, and I know that details in there. I don't think it really matters that much, ultimately. The middle with the watch could have just been slow and the, the plot would have worked just the same. It, it could have been. Yeah. But I like the idea here that, okay, you know, the thing's actually causing some sort of, you know, it's got an electromagnetic field that's yeah. affecting a, the things. It's a hint that ties into what the plot's doing with yeah. whatever else. Uh, but I actually really like the final sequence, which is, of course, I'm thinking, well, you're fast enough to run up to the train. So even if the train... most In most cases, when you're trying to meet your loved one at the train station before it pulls away, you know, that, that old movie cliche... In most cases, if you don't get there by the time the train takes off, that's you. You're, you're, you're done. But you're the Flash, so you can chase after it. And sure enough, he does. He just, like, well, I don't, I don't need to be in the platform. He just runs out off, chases the train, gets on the train. And I actually, my favorite page of the, the whole comic may actually be where he catches the, the thing she's dropped. And I like I like the sequence in here where it goes a little bit off, but then he uses arrows to make it clear uh, in the negative space how he read this page. And it's just yeah. they have this moment where they're staring at each other. There's a little bit of dialogue, and then he kisses her, and you know it's it's, it's all just kind of said with a kiss. And yeah, I, I actually uh, really like the page before as well with the sequencing where it's the thing that's falling, mm. and you know you you cut with him running and trying to catch up with the train and you know getting onto it, and all the while it's just 
following this thing fall and it gives you this sense of just how quick it's going because you know we all know how fast something just falls to the ground like this no i like this as well you're right this is a good build up to that page uh which makes it all work because this, this is just all uh suspense i guess like it's, it's all it's all it's, well i'd say it's more of a countdown clock than anything else yeah um, it's just and, it's just the pacing to the moment yeah but then when you land on the page where he grabs it it's like time stands still i think that's what i like about this this page is because before that it's all move 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 even though part of it's in slow motion with the thing falling uh falling falling and but then when it gets to the, the romantic page where he's there it's like and they're looking at each other time standing still now now his super speed's irrelevant now it's just it's still for everyone well those two at least <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah uh no i, I think it's really good uh so end no, with the happy ending of like no now they're a couple now they this is official and we've got wally and linda together and... some cheesy dialogue In- intentionally so yeah i think the cheesy dialogue works i, I uh yeah, yeah it wasn't a critique i wasn't expecting the the, the back half of this two part to be kind of be the romantic payoff to all the kind of weirdness in the relationship up until now no me either but i'm glad that it's settled now um i assume we can kind of move forward from here i'm sure it'll be different going forward now i I, th- yeah. I think it was a perfect way of doing it though i think that last you know four or five pages that that wrapped it all up was i think they're some of the best pages in issues of this run um but i think the, the first half of the issue is just oh, it's okay it's fine it's fun enough that's fine uh, but it is that this this back you know little section that that you know really makes the issue I like, I like the action stuff in the middle of the book but uh yeah it's the, it's the romantic stuff towards the end with linda that really makes it all pop um and i don't think the art is, is pretty solid uh and it fits well with the like i say it's the layouts more than anything uh but it's not like the line works bad either the line works fine it's perfectly solid yeah yeah like i say, I like the idea of you know where he just he just creeps out of the panels because he's too fast for them that's a good effect yeah um i think that's the other thing that the uh like having the sequence on that romantic page being out of order does is that essentially because normally it'd be a, almost a, a mistake and a critique to say oh they have to sort of visually give you something like arrows especially something as bold as that like actual arrows saying hey you have to go here then here then here but i think what it does because it's so well paced and sequenced for the, the couple of pages before that is that it adds to the feeling of everything stops still because you have to stop and process how your eyes are meant to move yeah i think it's the the bewilderment on you yeah. know, linda's part as well that oh he's just here now there's this you know shock moment of what's going on and i think the arrows are for the given the fact that there are arrows you know literal arrows i think they're really subtle and really they well worked in but I, I guess what i'm trying to say is this is actually you know, sometimes when we talk about films and stuff we talk about directors breaking the rules this to me is a comic writer and artist breaking a fundamental rule but the effect of that rule being broken is perfect for the moment the characters mm-hmm. are in and it actually makes the moment 10 times better than it was from a, a craft point of view so uh, yeah i agree with that so no uh no, Flash of It 2 is uh, pretty, pretty wonderful. Uh, run's starting to pop a little bit. Uh, what are you giving this issue? Uh, I think I'll just about give this one the 8. I'll give it 8.5. I'm happy to give this one a, a strong score. So, there you go. Birds of Prey, issue 6. Chuck Dixon writing with Greg Land on art. This is also wrapping up a... Well, this is a three-parter rather than a two-parter. But this is, uh, you know, the, the monster in the lake... This name I can't pronounce. I was going to uh, say, can you remember the name <laughs> after all this time? Uh, Maka Ichihau or something, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you're that far off. I'm not that far off, but it definitely wasn't quite that. No. But 
Uh, and we have the Ravens who, because they're going through the, the time field around the satellite that's crashed in the water, they end up in the past and have to fight their way back to the present day, and which they do briefly, but then by the end of the issue there's a sort of cliffhanger where they're in the... They, well, they seem to be in the future, but they seem to be so far that they're in, like, commandy times by the looks of it. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, I'm not entirely sure when or where they are. I mean, where, I assume it's the same, but when. Um, they're either in the future or, I don't know, is this supposed to be, like, uh, Native American stuff? It depends. If it's in it's the future, the then it's not. But if it's in the right. past, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's... Because the dialogue, I think they say, yeah, we missed the 20th century by a long shot, which implies quite far full, you know, they they overshot, yeah. right? But, 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 exactly. but they did arrive in present day in the water because they fight Black Canary and then they go back through the time warp sort of bubble. So they yes. could have went back again and they're just not aware of that. Before we get to the main plot, though, we actually have to talk about the first few pages, which is the payoff to who's been watching Barbara. And uh, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but... I do kind of like this, which is it turns out not to be a villain. It's not someone who's stalking her in the traditional sense. It's Batman. Because to Batman, the cave is like, okay. I've I've watched enough to know that Babs has got this this role of Oracle under under control. I can trust her. And it's not. It's, I should rephrase that. It's not. It, it, it would suspect that he couldn't trust her. It's that he's making sure she can cope. That she's not under too much stress. That she's that she's holding up under yeah. the pressure because it's a lot of responsibility being Oracle as opposed it, to just being Batgirl. And Alfred kind of points out, isn't this a little you know a little iffy? And then Babs like comes up on the screen and says, "Well, you didn't put. At least I should thank you for not putting a camera in the bathroom, you dick." <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually realized, yeah, some some sassy Alfred here, because yeah. uh, you know Bruce is like, "I need to know that she's stable." And Alfred goes, "Oh, and you feel like you're a proper judge of that." Yeah, and even just his hair at the end, because he's he's so proud of Barbara for like one upping him by revealing yeah. she knew he was watching the whole time. Um, really funny to me. Uh, and there's also a payoff to the other subplot that I was enjoying, which. Um, so I think they were tracking Barbara, the the military, you know, the guy in the Pentagon who was determined to find this hacker who was like getting into files and stuff. I do think that what they were tracking was what Barbara was doing. But Barbara, of course, has got a proxy and is set up someone else. And there's a neat little payoff here where she she's like at the computer, she's talking to Black Canary, and she's like, "What's that noise?" And then the next page is like the helicopters, and it's the guys like, "Yeah, get get them. We're going to get this bastard." And then you know it's not her it's some dude and it turns out to be someone who works for blockbuster and blockbuster comes out and like just beats the piss out of them it just picks up one of their comms and says i'm going to assume this was a mistake and i'll look no further into it as long as you back off now i will leave your bruised but very much alive men in the elevator for you to retrieve them <laughs> yeah and and then it just it cuts back to Babs and there's just like a, a bird tapping on the window and that's what the noise she was looking at was. I thought that was, it was cute. Like I, I kind of snickered and went, oh, okay, very good. I think it, it was a little bit just like um, over dramatic. I think for me, with I think if 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 you played it without the the extra Babs bit, you know, with the bird, I, I liked it a little bit more. But it, it was just a bit on the nose for me. I, I, I've not been super into this. I know, I know. For, for, for the whole time, anyway, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the underwater stuff is pretty straightforward. Black Canary's fighting. Uh, King Cobra's down there because they want the satellite. And mm. uh, Canary's just kind of hand this, just sort of staying back for a bit. And she's just watching the Ravens. She's not really sure who she is. Barbara has to look into the logo for a bit before they realize, hey, this is, this is, this is at least Cheshire. We don't, she doesn't really know who the other two are. She's like, oh, but 
She's like, I'm going to assume that she recruited professionals. Yeah, they're probably dangerous. Uh, maybe not get into it. Uh, but she does get into a fight with them. And is able to retrieve the, uh, the satellite. The fun stuff, though, the monster actually comes and uh, hits the, the, the Cobra ship. And uh, kind of saves the day. King Cobra ejects himself and leaves all his men to get arrested. Mm. Would you expect any less? So they, they literally have their own Loch Ness monster now, which came through the time warp. And Black Canary was like, hey, you've got time to go put that billboard up. <laughs> get the tourists in. Just uh, maybe don't go uh, swimming too much. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's the cliffhanger with the thing. Uh, there was an interesting page at the end. There was a little uh, prologue. That's what it says. It's not epilogue. It says prologue. Yes, this is presumably for the next story rather than anything to do with this one. Yeah. Uh, it's a character uh, in a hat and a trench coat. You know, classic kind of shady stuff. Going to uh, basically a group that tried to uh, get people out of prison, like get people they believe uh, are innocent. Free political prison, yeah. prisoners specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this this shady character tries to explain that he wants uh, them to get someone out of prison, and the woman tries to explain, "Isn't it's not that simple? It's not you know, there's there's ways of, to go about this." And he's like, "No, trust me. Um, we'll be doing it my way." And uh, we... I I insist that in this case it does work this way. Oh, very yeah, very possibly. Uh, I'm I'm sure he believes it. But uh, yeah. we we just get like a glimpse of his eyes and his teeth, uh, and they look they're very vampire-y. Uh, is this a Copperhead sort of character? We think I'm I'm getting. It could be, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure who I it mean, is. Th- th- there are obviously vampires in in the DC universe. That's, that's true. That's a thing that we've played with. I feel like Copperhead is the exact sort of tier of villain that might pop up in this Birds of Prey book, though. It does sound very plausible. Um, that, that's kind of the, the the first thing I think of. Um, I mean the art side of things talking about this it's been kind of an interesting discussion with the greg land stuff because greg land of course became quite greg land great you know, became greg land but this is kind of pre his you know greg land reputation days um and it's fine honestly i mean it's not all great it's not all perfect by any means but there's a lot of fun beats in the art i think uh, yeah i agree i um i think it's probably one of his weaker issues of the bunch so far um but maybe one of his more consistent issues, uh, if that makes sense. There's there's no no real standout, you know, really strong pages. Uh, but there's not as many, you know, glaring weak points either. It's just a very kind of mid level fine, uh, for the most part. I I find this one. Yeah, um, it's interesting that this did wrap up several like subplots as well as the the main plot they've been doing for a few issues. So, um, clearly, yeah, it's... it definitely feels like okay, we're we're moving on to the next thing now. And I guess originally this would have been the end of a trade, even though trades weren't as consistent for every book back then. No, but one to six yeah. probably would have been this trade. Because most of this was yeah. not collected in trades originally. Uh, maybe, the, maybe it started out that way, but a lot of the, the run was missing before the, yeah. the newer stuff. So, um, Yeah. Which is a shame, and it's part of the reason why it was maybe harder to get a hold of for a while, unless you did want to hunt down single issues. But luckily, Digital came to the rescue, and you can get all the singles now. Um, yes, thank you, DC Universe Infinite, for just having them all yes. here lined up for me. And obviously not as good, but I mean, Comixology did kind of... Like, all of a sudden, all these issues that were hard to get, single issues of, now you I can mean, just get them in Comixology. Uh, as, as much as I'm you know, praising DC Universe here, uh, Comixology is the primary reason why digital comics are a thing yeah, at no, all. I, I think it's important to, to point out that if DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited didn't exist... 
been able to just ha- have the option to buy issues for a dollar or two. Yeah, but, uh, you know, pretty reasonable given given the reality of getting them otherwise. Yes, so uh, I will never complain about that. Um, yeah, fun issue. Uh, not, not a spectacular issue. I had some fun beats. Um, the time warping stuff I do think felt a little bit. It obviously explains the monster, but I actually think it felt undercooked for the Raven stuff. Where I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe there's going to be like something that comes out of it later, where because they've spent time in a different time period, they're going to have some sort of advantage later. So. It'll, be relevant it kind of just feels like just because right yeah. now in the context of this issue on its own i mean black canary and oracle never even become aware that there's a time issue really they're never aware that they're traveling mm. through different places or uh, there's, no. there's there's no danger black canary doesn't travel anywhere and like have to get find her way back or anything like that no it's not that it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward it's pretty straightforward and it's only the ravens who ever go through it really so that's a very interesting tactic. It makes you feel like very separate and almost like you could have just not bothered for the most part. Um, yeah, it I, makes me wonder, are the Ravens coming back in this book or does it show up somewhere else to pay off what they're doing? I, I don't actually know. That's, that's possible. There, there could have been some other book set in this time period at the time that maybe they, they show yeah, up yeah. in or something. Yeah. Uh, it's always possible uh, to consider with comics. So, uh, But not a bad issue by any means. Uh, what are you giving it? No, I'm going to give it a 7. I think it's perfectly good. Yeah, I agree with the seven. Yeah, perfectly solid and readable. Um, I particularly like the uh, the back and, and this has been true the whole run really, but the the back and forth with Babs and Dinah. Uh, when Dinah's like typing into her like her waterproof like computer on her arm and yeah, it's that's the thing that makes the book work really. Yeah. Uh, without that, this would fall apart pretty quickly. So there you go. GSC issue 15, Jeff Johns and David Goyer writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art, wrapping up the extant story. Uh, and has created universe where the the previous cliffhanger of course was that they'd just found dove and uh dove bites it in this issue <laughs> pretty extant, quickly as well ex- like in the first like five or six pages yeah extant has shown how villainous he is by just incinerating her with his powers like very very quickly yeah i mean not intentionally he's aiming for i, th- I think it's al he's aiming for or, no, or maybe no, no, our no, man no, that happens first and she jumps in and she doesn't die from that he he makes the choice to kind of oh, okay. properly kill her after that when she's lying there uh, after that yeah but i mean he is like shocked at the moment still like he, he, it's not an expected thing and i feel like i think she's already dead and then he incinerates the body because there's a moment where there's, there's a panel where like the it's a silhouette on the hand you know hits the floor uh, as she's given like her last line of, of dialogue it feels like oh that's the dying breath moment uh, oh, maybe, no, I, maybe right. I was reading that no wrong, no though. you're right the hand does drop down um yeah and then, and then it feels like he's the, the reason once why she's gone he, he leans into it the reason why i didn't quite read it that way i think on this page is because the speech he makes it sounds like he's sort of proven that he's truly extant like he's there's no nothing of hawk left and it's almost like by kill- doing the final killing blow is him proving to himself and everyone else that there's no I th- going I back. think I agree with exactly what you're saying, yeah. and I think that is what's happening. But instead of the killing blow, killing blow, he just incinerates the body to prove he has no attachment. He doesn't yeah. care. Um, but it's, it is the exact same purpose as what you read it as, just, yeah, just know, the, the minor... body instead of the killing blow. Yeah, just the minor detail, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a little interesting bit of narration at the start and end of this that I think we we should talk about uh which is al's future wife who's clearly here um who were you reading this as 
this the these things here um it's courtney right that's how i was reading it but now i've not read the rest of john's i've, I've read like, the first 50 issues or so of this run before is this something that actually a path we go down where al and courtney are a thing i, I think they might play with it at some point i don't remember exactly it's been a while because, um, because i was reading this and i'm like but wait a minute She's a teenager, and he's like whatever age. Yeah, but I mean, like the, the the very second narration box in the issue is like, yeah, you know, I spent years battling as the the Star Spangled Kid. And, yeah, know, no, you know. yeah, this is not a thing where I didn't like. It was kind of this weird thought process as it was sort of revealing the parts of the information to me, uh, and I, I just couldn't wrap my head around the idea of Courtney and Al becoming a married couple. It was kind of weird. Uh, it took me off guard. Yeah, no, I get that. It was very odd. Um. Because I wasn't convinced at first that... I mean, I know she's writing in a journal, so it's kind of implied that it is her that's talking. But I wasn't necessarily sure at first that the person talking and the rating was the person in the, the panels. Like, um, mm. you know, it's the sort of thing where they could sort of subvert that by the end and reveal the person who's actually talking is, you know... I, th- I thought maybe... Because the other Star Spangled Kid's been around in this issue, and he in, in this arc, and he does disappear by the end of the issue. I thought it might turn out to be him that's talking. Uh, like an alternate future sort of thing. A certain, at a certain point. Um, yeah. the, the idea being that this is like him from like be you know like after he's erased, kind of talking about the world that he's leaving behind now that he's been erased again because everything's getting fixed or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, obviously, no, I get where it come from. Clearly, I overthought all of this, and it was just a, this is weird. I don't get. It. <laughs> it was, no, it thing. is just a. I mean, John's has, has apparently always done this, and still, you know, to this day does, where he'll just set up an idea, throw it out there. Maybe he'll come back to it. Maybe he won't. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, there are so many abandoned John's his, plot ideas. His biggest fault, I'd say, maybe, as a as a writer. Yeah, I mean, their entire character, uh, cowgirl from his Green Lantern, mm-hmm. just, just just vanishes after like I don't know, fifteen issues or so, just gone. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are still stories to this day that he's like, no, they're coming at some point, and probably <laughs> never see them. But oh yeah, there's going to be uh, a book just called Johnsy's Last DC Universe comic and it's just going to be a story about cowgirl uh the war the atlantis war thing that they never get around to what what, what i'm uh, expecting is you, you know how um what christopher tolkien did with his father's works where he's like yo unfinished things just like you know bits of notes and stuff and kind of re you know and all credit to him he did a wonderful job of like you know taking these three-quarter finished things and kind of turning them into a finished product uh, you know adding to them himself I, I, one day a john's kid just just be like yeah, I found all these notes. Uh, the, the, the first the first issue is going to be cowgirl turning up late to uh, Alan and Courtney's wedding, and it's just going to be all, all the things that, that John's kind of set up for the future and left behind. Uh, but anyway, so so the whole thing, our man essentially distributes his power between everyone, so they all have four minutes of extra extra juice, uh, yeah, as it were, and they all attack extant simultaneously. Apparently, At across different points in the timeline, yeah. yeah. So they they all attack him and they win. It's actually quite straightforward, honestly. Uh, it is. I, actually, I do really like the art in this page or you know pages where they're attacking. Um, you know, where it's just you know a, a panel of each of them doing their thing. Um, I think it's it's a really well laid out couple of pages. Mm. Um, looks really nice. It's all right. I I think this this like I really like the other side of this arc where it was like the the the, the, the Cobra stuff, right? I, mm. I really like that. 
this side of it with the time ship and going after extent i like parts of it and i kind of like some of the, the characters and stuff that it's playing with but i don't like it in terms of all the arcs we've had in this book so far it's one of the maybe the weakier ones for me just I, I think that might be fair yeah um yeah. i think it lands really solidly um and and i think it's still fun and really readable the end but of it's issue, definitely missing some of the weight the end of the issue is probably the best part but uh essentially it does go back to the the plane going down al essentially makes a deal with metron uh to swap out extant with his mother so the extant dies in the plane crash and you know using the, the wallagog to pull us off yeah how can we not mention the wallagog yet the wallagog the wallagog they've mentioned using the wallagog uh so yeah so al like, pop, picks his mother out of the plane puts extant in there and she's like what's happening i was on a plane i was on a plane and she, he just kind of has to hug her and say just it's okay it's going to be okay it's going to be okay don't worry um and, and this, this is still just a matter of days from his perspective uh you know yes. since this happened so this this grief was still very fresh so this is you know still like means a lot to him uh right now but our man feels bad for his failings and resigns from the justice society and then others kind of follow starman decides to leave uh paula leaves uh dr fate leaves for now he wants to go look for his wife um yeah. so and it sort of leaves us with who our current team is going to be going forward for now um although there's definitely others who are going to join from just memory but like we're, we're left with because some of these ones do feel because i i never because i always remembered that starman and apollo i did not stick around for long uh at the start of this run yeah. uh so uh, it's kind fate, of fate definitely pops in and out i'm sure yeah so I was kind of waiting for this kind of moment to happen where it kind of whittled down to the core members. and Because it's kind of thing where Mr. Terrific and Midnighter, uh, you know, we... we I say Midnighter, Dr. Midnight. It's because it's he's... The old one's Charles Midnighter. All, all the words that are so similar all blend together in my head. But yes, Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific. Them, like I always remembered being core members of the team, but obviously they weren't there to actually to begin with. So them coming in like part way through this this first couple of arcs was something i was waiting on as well so it, yeah. it kind of feels like we're gotten to the point okay this is kind of the gsa that i think of jakeem is not there yet i'm still waiting on jakeem because i remember him being a, a big i don't element. think that's i think that's a little bit yet i don't think he's straight yeah, away. it may be a little bit but i remember a lot of good jakeem stuff when he does pop up yeah um i think it's i don't think we'll talk about it too much in the future in terms of the trades because after a while we'll both end up shifting to dc universe i'm sure but yeah I think this is a really neat place to leave it as a, you know, this is the end of the first trade uh, of the, the recently published volumes. Yeah, it ends it's with... It's a uh, nice way to leave it, which is, oh, yeah, this is the team going forward for now. It also ends with a speech with Courtney putting a flower at the statue of the, the members who have left, uh, or mm. passed away, more specifically. Uh, the original Our Man, the original Midnighter. Uh, sorry, you know what I mean, Dr. Midnight. It's going to take me a while. It's because we had a Midnighter story this week in the last, in that Superman yeah. anthology. Sorry, you off. Yeah. It's fresh in my head. Uh, and the original Atom, of course, has been another one. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, so, yeah. So it ends in this sort of, again, looking back to those who have fallen, but the legacy of going forward, all the stuff that we love about JSA uh, doing its thing. Uh, so I don't have a whole lot to say about the issue itself. Uh, I mean, yeah, the action's fine, but it's actually a lot more straightforward than I think I'd have expected uh, based on, I don't know, just how some of these plots tend to go. Because, uh, for example, I think the the stuff from the other half, you know, before the the team went into the time ship uh, with, with Metron, that stuff I thought the way they dealt with the the sand and sand looking like he died, and there was a lot of really mm. 
intricate parts of that plan that were really interesting and sort of as they were revealing it were really like oh this is cool and they really thought about this and there's stuff whereas this is just kind of became like oh, okay everyone's just for a minute <laughs> go go punch and kick pretty much everyone got one panel to, to fight and i, I thought like you know, i like the layout of those pages because they were uh, off angles um with the diagonal panels uh for the first two pages then your double page spread with them all kind of mm-hmm. uh just being you know uh, at whatever angle you know but they were all over the place for that um but it gave, it gave a nice sense of the the, the fragmentation uh, you know they've all been at different points in time um but you know and all of them got you know one good action panel so to speak yeah i enjoyed it for what it was it was probably the best issue of this part of the arc which was the you know the met uh, the the metron slash uh, extant stuff uh yeah. but i remember you know i remember just in the last couple of reviews like feeling a little more lukewarm in this arc than the previous stuff uh, which was yeah. very, very, very good. Because the stuff with the plane going down and the fallout from that was some of the best stuff the book had done. Uh, so, no. Uh, along with, obviously, uh, Wildcats issue. Still infamous, remains the best issue so far. Yes, the infamous issue with a toothpick at the end. Uh, so, no. Uh, it's good, though. Good, though. I'm looking forward to getting to the next art, though, and uh, going out of different stuff. Uh, what are you giving GSA issue 15? Yeah, I'm going to get a 7, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I'll give it a seven. I think I'd probably go a little bit lower, but I do think the last like three or four pages kind of upswings it. Mm, uh, they are really good. A little bit, so with the sentiment, so cool. Justice League Power Rangers issue one. This is a uh, Tom Taylor writing with Stephen Byrne on the art. Uh, this is obviously what won the vote uh, on Patreon. Every so often, we'll do a, a Patreon vote to replace one of the two final slots, which are the, the Patreon vote ones, and. I had read issue one and maybe two of this back when it was releasing, and I kind of fell away from it just because it was, yeah, it was separate from everything. I think we did issue one on the main show. That sounds about right. Um, I don't think we did any further. Now, I do have to confess something. I accidentally read most of issue two for this as well because I was reading from the trade, and for some, it was a boom trade rather than a DC trade. They didn't put in the, the comic covers for the the, the, the breaks and the, the issues, and. I didn't realize I'd passed the end of issue one. I, I had to go to Comixology, look at the preview pages for issue two to see where issue two started and go, oh, okay, so that, that's still with a cliffhanger for the end of the so first issue. So this is the first objective victory for DC Universe. Sure. Well, I, I just, it, it, I got the single issue. It's, be, it's, it's to, there. Hey, I wouldn't have been surprised if it wasn't there because it's technically a, a boom published I, I Honestly, I was worrying I would have to dig out my single issues out of the box. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's somewhere in there. But uh, it was a possibility. This is easier. There's a possibility. Um, oh, I'm still at the end. Not, okay, I'll, I'll stop going back. Anyway, so the story of this, uh, it starts off more as a Power Rangers comic than a DC comic. Uh, where... Yeah, you got a little, like, prologue, which is, you know, uh, you know, teasing the, the, the future. I think it's like 36 hours later. And then it becomes you know, the, the Power Rangers section first. Yeah, I mean, even that prologue still feels more like from the the Power Ranger character's perspective. I mean, Superman's there, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's just talking about Angel Grove, and then it says Angel Grove's not there anymore. There's a giant crater, and Zack blames himself for what happens, and Superman then pops up to try and, or I mean, I say pops up, he's really already there, but from a comic reading perspective, he pops up because he's been hidden How until this point. Weird, is it seeing him without the the red trunks again? It's been a while. It has been a while. I've gotten used to the red trunks. Um, but, do you want to just go back and re-edit this book and re-release it with the just just slap some trunks on every panel that Superman's in? I'd be okay with that. But Superman tries to tell him it's not his fault, 
Uh, and then we cut back 36 hours, and essentially, Alpha 5 went missing. And for the record, I'm just kind of assuming that everyone listening to this has a vague understanding of the Power Rangers, because I realise that you might not, and I should probably explain who Alpha 5 is, what the command center is, who Zordon is, all these things. I'm just going to assume you have, if you're in it's, a similar age range, you'll have a vague idea. It, it's the same way we uh, assume everyone here has a base level DC knowledge. Um, for this book, we're going to have to just assume you have a base level Power Rangers knowledge. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you could go watch like an episode on YouTube or something <laughs> to, to get, get yourself up to speed. But Alpha 5 has went missing. Zach, they all go looking for him, but Zach finds a fake version of Alpha 5, but he doesn't realize at first, but it's actually like a bomb to blow up the command center. Yeah, he just thinks he's found a damaged version. You know, or I say version. He, he thinks he's found him and he's damaged, so he brings him back. And and then it's like, no, it's a trap, and he, he blows up. Yeah. And uh, Lord Zed shows up, and uh, I always said Lord Zod there, which is a real mix of DC and I mean, Power Rangers. it's not impossible that Zod shows up in this book. It's not. It's not. Although it appears that Brainiac will be the villain in question uh, going forward. Um, yep. That said, though, I think that was from issue two, where that was properly introduced. So I think it was, yeah. ignore, ignore that I said that. Ignore that I said that. To be yeah, fair, I, I think I read the first two or three, but I then the, fell off, even though I picked up the rest. The opening with the crater does kind of imply that maybe Angel Grove was bottled. So, I mean, the, the, the Brainiac hints are there in issue one. It, uh, it does look a bit like a bottling, doesn't it? So, I'll, I'll put that there. Um, Zach tries to fight them off. Uh, they end up going through the, the morphing grid or whatever uh, and end up somewhere else. The rest of the Power Rangers show up, fight the putties, and Zoran's like, Zach went with, with Zed, but the problem is he's not in our world anymore. And that's when we cut to Zack, who's landed clearly in Gotham City, <laughs> right next to Batman. And yeah. Batman's like, put down the axe. And Zack's like, no, you look scary. Uh, like, I know what you are. You're one of Zed's monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and then Batman's like, I don't know what Zed is. And yes. I don't know what you're doing, but you clearly have a concussion. So let's put down the axe. Yeah, so he tries to fight Batman. Obviously, it doesn't go well. The rest of the Power Rangers show up. Uh, apparently, it was quite easy to just beam here which is fine but you know i thought it might actually be a struggle but it's, it's actually quite easy for them so yeah i'm fine with that yeah they show up full page spread it's really glorious um burns art's really good for power rangers i think because they, they're, 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 their costumes lend to being very clean i think yeah they do i think like uh, burn suffers with maybe batman i mm-hmm. think his his superman and power rangers look great but i think his batman's a little bit maybe too clean yeah um, yeah but I, I mean overall i think it works so yeah, uh, and Batman's talking to someone, uh, saying, "Hey, I need some assistance. These people are enhanced. You know, come, come, come and help." And I was actually thinking he was maybe talking to Superman at first, because uh, yeah, like he can still fly really fast. But it's actually Flash, and I loved it when he first shows up. We just see the streak of red with the yellow lightning. The reason for doing it that way, rather than showing Flash just show up because we we're used to him, is because the whole point is, is that to the Power Rangers is like, wait, what the hell was that? There was like a streak. There was something going on. Yeah, because the, you know they're all there in the in the battle pose with the weapons out yes and then you have the the panel with the street coming across and all the weapons are gone and they're like wait what just happened which is actually really good pacing because the show whenever they had their weapons out in the show which wasn't every episode but whenever they did have their weapons out they'd always like do this pose they'd always sort of do a little movement and end in this pose so the idea that they, they do their power stance and then whoosh all the weapons are gone is it's really funny for a start just because it's like it's their moment that they always have yeah but Two, the fact that you have this panel where they have all the weapons, you have the wish panel, and then you have, and it's all the same size, these panels, and it's like, wait, where's all the weapons? It's good pacing. Uh, 
mm. which that's the joke so that, that's flash and whatever um and it's like shit like you know what we're we gonna do with this we're, 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 we're screwed uh so kimberly calls in her pterodactyl uh zord and jumps up to it uh some of the best art of the the issue i, I actually i really like the the pterodactyl itself but you know her jumping up i i think it i think that that small panel of her jumping up with the the pink lines mm-hmm. behind her for the motion is just fantastic I, I think it's where it really starts to feel like it's mixing the two worlds together is when she starts mixing zords with the justice league because okay this is what makes the power just feel truly larger than life and starts to make it feel like okay this is something the justice league actually has to deal with because up until now yeah batman and flash on their own could probably take them it's fine but once they start yeah. whipping out zords it's like oh wait a minute yeah, uh, and Flash calls into the Watchtower and he's like, uh, Batman's been taken by a flying pink dinosaur robot. And uh, that's spe- how it ends. Specifically in the Batmobile. She, the, the pterodactyl's picked up the Batmobile and its mouth. Um, yeah. And I actually really like the panel at the top of the previous page where it's kind of like almost very imposing looking down at the Batmobile. <laughs> it's like, um, it looks like a proper like bird of prey sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's one of the things that the show never did a lot of was actually use the Zords individually to any great extent. They almost always just ah, just Megazord time. Like it, yeah, it was. There. And I have no doubt this gets to Megazord. Oh, uh, no, at, at some point, no doubt, no doubt, it'll do it. But I appreciate that it's going to make use of the Zords individually. So this is the end of issue one. I read way past this point, but we'll yeah. talk about that next time. Uh, this is the end. I will say it bothered me a little bit. That there's no like credits page in the art. Because it gets oh, sure. you get to here, and you know it's like oh next time you know whatever, and then there's a couple of pages of adverts. Uh, the commandy challenge was apparently going on at this time. Okay. Um, and then after all that is where the credits page is, and it feels like such weird placement. I don't think that's out of the ordinary for Boom, as a thing. Is it not? Oh, I must say every comic slab. I don't think it's out of the ordinary. Fair enough. I don't remember it well enough. Clearly. Um. Because I, I definitely think some of the, the Buffy comics might have, the, like, either maybe not at the end, but maybe at the start, they'll have, like, a credits page that's separate from the... Uh, yeah, I feel like they're often at the start, and I think that I'm used to that as well, like, that approach. I think like, a lot of Marvel books do that as well, where they'll have a credits page at the start. Yeah, it won't be in the art itself. Um, yeah, it's uh, honestly, judging this on its own, because what was funny is as, as I read past this, and I got to a lot more interactions with the Justice League and the Power Rangers... Is that reading just the, the issue on its own and saying, okay, that's the end of it. That's where it ended, and that's where you have to wait for your next issue. I will say, a lot of the juicy stuff that I was ready to talk about came after this. So, if I have a critique, is that in having to set up the, the reasons for the story a little bit, it is a little bit of a slow start. Obviously, it's really fun, and the interactions you do get with Batman and Zack, and then, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the pterodactyl. So, I mean, there's at least one Zord. They had to get one Zord in issue one to solve it. Like, I think it has a little bit, a little bit of everything, but not enough of anything. Because you, yes. you have the bit at the start, the tease of, okay, what's going to happen? You've got a little bit of Superman talking to Zack going, okay, so we kind of know this isn't going to be a, a versus story the entire time. No, yeah. Uh, naturally. Um, and then you have a bit of just Power Rangers action to get you in the mood for that. Uh, you know, just with uh, some putties. And then you go, okay, so we got Batman, we got the Flash moment, and then, you know, then the, the, the Zord. And see, there is actually quite a lot there, and there's a bit of everything, but it doesn't get to any of the juicy stuff. No. Issue two? Really good. 
S21. Wow. We'll, we'll talk about S22 next time. Yes, we'll talk about S22 next time. But S22 has a lot of the things you really would get excited about about this crossover. S21, which is why I don't think I realised that I made a boo-boo yet, because I thought, oh, it's just an oversized S21 because they wanted to get to some of this meat to really sell how, the How far series. did you go before you were like, this feels like it's going on a while? I'll be honest, I might have finished issue two. I'm not sure. I never checked I never checked where issue three starts, so I don't know. I might have actually got to the end of issue two. Oh god. So <laughs> on the upside, next weekend just gotta give it a light skim. Because I've mm. I just read it. <laughs> but one uh, last thing for you to do next week then, yeah. Um But yes. So yeah. And it leaves the question going, okay, where did Zed go exactly? It leaves the question of um you know, I think I did because I'm just I'm as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's the cliffhanger at the end of issue two. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> oh for God's sake! How much did you read? I, I never, I definitely never finished issue three. I, I definitely never finished <laughs> issue three. It's a Tom Taylor book, right? It was easy to just keep reading. I, I, need, I, I get that. I, I need a cover page to say, "Hey, you're done." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh God damn it! Simple. Um. Terrible first issue though. It's maybe not the the best issue one that Tom Taylor's done. It's it's I I doubt this will be the best issue of this run or this this many. Uh, so I kind of hope not. Even though I I enjoyed it well enough, I think it's a solid issue. It, you know, I know for sure it. it's not. <laughs> okay, fine, good. <laughs> Stop ruining things for me. I'm not I didn't tell you what I, happened. It's fine. I've actually read the first like three issues before. Uh, I know, but like I'm not, I'm not telling anyone what happens, but. It, 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 it gets it better, is what we're saying. It gets better, yes. Uh, so there you go. It's very well paced, though, for what it is. It's just you just you just want a bit more of things. Yeah. Uh, what are you giving us your one of this? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven point five, and I think the extra point five there is mainly for Burns Art. <clears throat> That's fair. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I think um, I should probably have explained this at the start of this review, but I. It is important to mention that Power Rangers were a really big thing for me growing up, as was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the fact that we've had Batman Ninja Turtles and Justice League Power Rangers is kind of like mixing the things that I cared about as a kid. And maybe that's nah, just... but only one of them got the animated movie so far. So far. But we'll see. Now, I've not actually read the sequels to that first uh, Turtles uh, Batman story yet, but that Batman Turtles like tr- trilogy of minis is probably a good contender for the show at some point, so... I'll save it until... I, I wasn't a big fan of the first one, so maybe not. <sighs> worst. Yeah, it didn't work for me, that one. You're the absolute worst. All right, that's uh, that's just the Power Rangers issue one. Batgirl issue 12. Brian Q. Miller writing with Lee Garbett and Perry Perez on the art. Uh, wrapping up the Flood story uh, with Stephanie getting to try and get Calculator, who has Barbara and has her in a... I don't want to say matrix here, but you know, has mind. Yeah, yeah essentially. Um and yeah, we, we play with that a little bit. And we we play with uh, of course uh, the the other girl gets a, a code name by the end of the issue. She becomes kind of like a an apprentice to Oracle, but now now by the name of Proxy. Yes. Uh, which is which is neat. It's neat that we have like a, a more go to name for her now. Uh but um it's a good issue. I like some of Steph's commentary and some of her uh, banter off of proxy is kind of fun. Um, I don't think it's the best this uh, like this uh, runs had though by any means, and I don't know if that's because the calculator himself and that side of things isn't as interesting perhaps 
as the other stuff. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed the parts of this particular arc when it was interacting with the rest of the world, with the, the policemen, with uh, the college, with the, the zombie stuff. Like, that was definitely where it was really popping, I think, this arc. This arc's a fine conclusion, or this issue's a fine conclusion, rather. But, no, it's... I think- it's, it's notable that the end of this, you know, Batgirl Rising finally concluded, and it does feel like that, you know, this... Mm. It, even though technically we this isn't origin stuff anymore, it still has that feeling of, okay, now the status quo is set up <clears throat> at the end of this. And I do kind of get that feeling of, like, ah, good, we can move on from here now. Um, unfortunately, only for another 12 issues, but it, it, it's got that feeling of, okay, this is what to expect now. Um, I will say... It's not bad. I will say that there is... Uh, a surprisingly dark scene in this where in calculator's mind barbara sees the day that he came home and saw that his wife had committed suicide it's actually a mm. very dark page uh where he comes and the two babies are in the crib and there's blood on the floor and then there's just a panel of the dead wife holding a gun in her hand and there's blood like all over the wall and like dripping down her shirt it's actually very dark and then the, even the fact that he goes over to uh you know pick up his babies and he's like getting blood on the baby's head because he's got blood in his hands that's yeah. a really dark scene. <laughs> like, darker than I'm used to in, a, a, in what's been a very bubbly, <laughs> you know, Batgirl book. I think that's why it has so much impact, because, like I say, this book has been quite bubbly, so when it has this moment, it, it's shocking. It, it comes with extra weight. It, it feels like, no, we're not just doing this for shock value all the time. It's like, no, this matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Proxy does... Uh, crash the plane into the side of the base to come and help and get get Babs out of things. There there is like an over the top comic book thing where there's like a like a robotic defense system that attacks Steph so we can have a little bit of action. That's the bit of the yeah, plane. The plane crashes what... into it. So it's, it's that's kinda of there to give uh, Wendy her big moment. But I mean It's only really there for like two pages and then she crashes into it. So it's not like a uh, it's there a lot. But it, it is one of those moments that just feels like eh, I think that's need this. I think the fact that it's only there for two pages is what almost adds to the fact that it feels a little bit just, ah, something can't book it quick. So just so there's a threat for a page. Yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I really yeah. like the, uh, the, there's some real nice pacing in the art. I think it's the, the page before the big robot shows up. It's where she goes to shoot the, uh, the, like the, the grappling gun to, to drag the thing out. And it shows her, you know, getting out of the belt, loading it. You know, aiming and shooting, and it's you know in this like four-panel sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really nicely done. Yeah, uh, the ending, of course, there's like a, a random case going on where she's trying to chase down a guy who's trying to blow up Gotham with a blimp, <laughs> or City Hall. He's trying to blow up City Hall with his yes. blimp. Um, and it's it's really just like one of these little sort of scenes where it's never we're never going to get the story. The whole point is that Proxy's working as a sort of sub oracle and. Uh, how she's working with Steph. So it just ends with Steph, you know, jumping in. Uh, so did you say you had a, a bit of text here saying end the Batgirl Rising? Uh, yeah, on the final page when we're in the prison cell. Oh, uh, it's there. I was looking at that. I was looking at the page where she's jumping off the roof before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, there's one more page after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there's a little... Yeah. A little page with a calculator at the end. Yeah. Uh, just in his cell. Look at the newspapers. Um, yeah. Um... No, it's a good issue. It's it's not my favorite for the run by any means. If if anything, it may actually be quite low down in the rankings. I, mean, I, I don't think I'm going to rank them all <laughs> to actually figure that out. But I, I, yeah, and it's, that sounds harsh to say it's one of my least favorite issues of the run. It's still solid. It still does a lot of good I think things. It's just that the standards so high. I don't think this is. I think it's a perfectly good issue. 
Um, it just doesn't rise to the heights that the book's capable of. It feels mm-hmm. like it is just, all right, this is how we finish this arc, so we're going to finish it um, without any real flair to it. I mean, there, there are still like some things I do like. Uh, like obviously, we continued measuring the time passing through all the all the rain. And even when it clears up, it's minus six inches of rain later. And it's not until after that and we're in the, the epilogue stuff of, you know, setting up, uh, you know, the proxy, where it actually goes, you know, 12 hours later. Um, where it's the first time, okay, this is back to normal now, uh, that it kind of establishes that at the end of the book. Uh, I do appreciate that as a, as a mechanic. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. That's Batgirl 12. We're halfway through that run, uh, believe it or not. So, yeah. We'll see, we'll see. Um, as worth mentioning, there will be other Patreon votes to fill the the final two slots uh, on the show. Um, the one obviously just League Power Rangers will need replaced first, uh, so probably be a few weeks before we actually start talking about what the the next vote is going to be to replace that. Uh, but at least for now, uh, just keep that in mind. Um, so you written you written this one? Uh, I can do. Um, I I think I'll give it a seven. Yeah. I'll give it a breezy seven as well. Again, it's it's really solid. It's just not as like jaw droppingly enthusiastic as I have been about a lot of the issues in the run, uh, yeah. which is fine. I feel like it's been a lot of sevens this week for me. Like, it's been one of those one of those weeks where everything's like, yeah, no, there's solid stuff, but nothing's blown my mind. Yeah, I've had a few, couple of standouts, I think, but uh, hey, that's what it is. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll do our our favorite and worst of the week, uh, as it was. Um, I mean, my worst of the week's pretty obvious. It's Wonder Woman. <laughs> Azarel is Wonder Woman because I, I just don't like it that much. Uh, sure. Um, mine would be. I mean, maybe maybe Birds of Prey. I, I don't know why I said I don't think I had anything below a seven, but I had a lot of that. Mm. So I'm just going to pick my least favorite, I guess. Uh, best start of the week? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Wonder Woman. I think Chang does some, some really solid stuff on that issue. Okay. I It's tough for me. Uh, obviously, Burn's very good. I think Batgirl had, once again, good art. Not its best, but really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, love the colouring in that. Um, some think... nice art in Batman Year 2, which are, you know... Detective actually... Comics, which I think is what I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with McFarlane's art in Detective Comics. I think that's stuck in my mind the most, is having the distinct visual moments that felt memorable. Yeah. So I think that's what I'm going to go with. All right, best book of the week. Uh, I think I'll go with... I think I'll edge it to, to Flash, I think, just this final handful of pages. Uh, That's what I was going to pick. Um, I think Flash is the one that just it rose above... Uh, the rest this week to to take the cake. Um, I, I don't think that I, I there was a particular moment that I analysed and talked about why it was so good that I did those that romantic stuff at the end of that issue. Yeah, really well done. Um, and it's stuff like that, like nailing things like that is what makes a run really. Me- Even if there's never a good villain plot, and I'm sure there will be, but let's say there's never a good villain plot in Mark Wade's Flash run. The reason why it's probably going to be so distinctly remembered in some ways is because it nails the the, the human drama elements and makes them feel important and impactful. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think you know that moment specifically that we're that we're talking about. It's obviously the writing and the you know the drama is there. That that's why it matters. But I think it's important just how much that 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 only really works in a comic specifically this moment because of the way the the craft is used 
to tell that moment. Uh, you know that that you know with the exact same writing doesn't have the same impact on a on the screen perhaps because you're not using the same tricks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is the returning episode of Previously in the Multiverse. I think this is episode sixteen. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check. It's been a while. Uh, but uh, yeah. So hopefully this will be somewhat consistent uh, going forward. Uh, the plan is to try and record this every week. If it ends up not being every single week, bear with us. Uh, but we're back on on track here. So, hey, welcome back. Um, but yes. So, yeah, of course, check out Patreon. All that stuff. Patreon.com slash TV. Especially since you're going to get the show a lot earlier there compared to everywhere else. Um, the full version of the show is actually audio only. Uh, the, the, the YouTube version will be on the comments from the Multiverse YouTube channel split up into individual reviews. Uh, down the line when it does become available a bit later but uh, you know and obviously if you're listening to this you may not care about that because you, you've already clearly you already listened to the full thing if you're here at this part of the end of the show but uh, that just gives you a sense of what we're doing with it going forward um, you know like subscribe those things help a lot uh, rate is on iTunes five stars give us a, a good review those things help and you know sharing the, the, the podcast out it'll show up in best of lists and the rankings and all that kind of thing. Um, but more importantly, share it with comic book friends, share it on Twitter. Uh, it's usually the, the, the best thing. Co- the comic community is shockingly small in a lot of ways, and you can actually get the word around a lot of it just by sharing things. So please do any of those things if you do enjoy the show. Um, and let us know you're happy it's back uh, as well, and to make it feel like it's worth the effort of doing, along with the regular uh, weekly show with the new books. Uh, but that is previous in the Multiverse, so thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. And I have completely forgotten what my outro line was. I was I was waiting for this. Since before you started doing all the plugging stuff, I was like, oh, does he remember what his outro is? I, 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 I don't. I've no, I've never thought about it. I never thought about it once. This is the, literally just as I went to say goodbye, I went, oh, shit. <laughs> What's my <laughs> it, outro it line? It only occurred to me just as we were going into the end stuff. And I was like, does he remember? I don't. I have to go back and check <laughs> for the next one. Uh, for this one, I shall simply say... Since the Godzilla vs. King Kong trailer came out this week, I'll just simply say, Mothra! Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs>